Good morning, everyone. Okay, just like Dave said, my name is Whitney. I am one of the teaching pastors here at Connect. I could stand up here for the next 30 minutes and talk about this weekend. If you went this weekend, raise your hand. I mean, if you could look around and just see how many women were here this weekend, and this is only a fraction of it. Some of us are wearing our Connect Women gear. Um, it was truly the best weekend. So um, I think I'm all out of tears. I was up here so many times yesterday and I would just start crying for no reason. I don't know if it was just the lack of sleep or just the emotions that filled this room. But when we have a big event like this, I mean, we expect God to show up, but man, he showed up more than what we could ever imagine. So thank you ladies for being here this weekend. So if you have been following us for the past couple weeks, just like Dave said, we are in a series and the series is called I Am. And we are looking at the seven I Am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And we have been diving deep into who Jesus is according to Jesus. He's the best person to say, listen, this is who I am. And this is such an important series for a, a lot of us, probably most of us here who consider ourselves followers of Christ because we have staked our, our life onto who Jesus is. And if that's the case, we better know and we better understand who Jesus claimed to be. So in this series, we have been letting Jesus speak for himself. So, so far, he has said, I'm the light of the world. He has said, I am the bread of life. We got to celebrate on Easter when he said, I am the resurrection. Last week, we heard from Pastor Chad, which was such a good message. Jesus says, I am the vine. And this morning, Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd. He's saying, I am the good shepherd. So I wanna start by reading in John chapter 10 this morning. And actually, I don't know if this was planned or not, um, but what, what Justin said this morning uh, of Psalm 23, we're gonna go into that as well. So it actually worked out perfect, but I wanna start in John 10 this morning and it says this, the thief comes to only steal, kill and destroy. But I, Jesus is saying, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me. I know the father and I lay my life down for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. So growing up, anytime I watched a movie or listened to a story, most likely a Disney movie, I always liked to identify which character I was. And a lot of time it was, you know, a, a Disney princess, obviously. Um, and for the longest time, I really tried to convince my parents to change my name to Belle. And um, I would have my brother or neighbors call me Belle. And unfortunately, it's 37 some years later and I'm not Belle, I'm Whitney. Um, but it was fun because I always tried to figure out, okay, that's me. And it was fun to imagine, okay, what it would be like as this character or, or in their shoes. And it's fun now as we have kids, our kids do the same. 
So Reese and Finn, anytime we have a movie night, our kids are automatically identifying into what character they are. Oh, I'm this person, I'm this person. And as we watch the movies, Reese will be like, oh, look what I did, look what you did. And it's fun to, to figure out who you are. And that's why I love how Jesus does a lot of his teachings, because he teaches in parables, which are basically a, an earthly story with a heavenly spiritual meaning. So let's see here. If we were to look at John 10, let's try to figure out who we are, okay? So obviously, Jesus was clear he is the good shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. So that's not us. Um, and then obviously the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, that's the devil, that's the enemy. So unfortunately, that leaves us to be the sheep. So we're the sheep in this story. And yes, sheep can be cute and white and cuddly, but unfortunately, that's not all they are. So there's a New York City pastor who actually has um, a family line of shepherds, and he describes sheep in this way. Keep in mind, we are, the, we are the sheep in the story. He says this, sheep are essentially helpless and stupid animals. They cannot provide their own food like lions or tigers. They cannot defend themselves from predators. They have no speed. They have no strength. They have no natural defense like claws or teeth. They can't climb trees. They can't dig tunnels. They can't swim across rivers and they have no camouflage. Are we encouraged here yet this morning that we are the sheep? Well, he's not done. He then says this, sheep are easily frightened. They are scared of their own shadows. And to make matters worse, they are notoriously stubborn. Even when people try to help them, they resist, they rebel, and above all else, they like to wander. They have terrible sense of direction, and when sheep get lost, they won't even try to find their way back home unless a shepherd goes out to get them. So basically, a lost sheep is considered a dead sheep. It's like when the office is like, why are you the way you are? Why are we the way we are? We are the sheep. But good news, good news is Jesus is the good shepherd. But there's a difference between a good shepherd and a regular shepherd, a good shepherd and a hired hand. So let me paint the picture here this morning. So um, before we had kids, my husband and I, we rented. We rented apartments and houses and um we probably didn't put the love and care into those rental properties like we should have. We didn't, you know, paint. We didn't put money into it. If something broke, we just left it. Like we knew we weren't there long-term. But once we started having a family, we started to own our own homes. So we put some love and care. We painted, we made it our own. We made sure we'd mowed the grass. We put more love and care because we owned our home. Another example, growing up before I could have a real job, I babysat. I hated babysitting. I hated babysitting, but my parents made me, I needed money, but I remember I would babysit and I would just count down the minutes until the parents came home. I liked the kids, but I didn't wanna spend my night with them. And back in the day, we didn't have phones or we could text friends or, or be on social media. So I literally just had to hang out with these kids and the late nights were the worst nights and I had to put them to bed. But, but now I'm a mother, so I have my own children. I love spending time with them. I, I love making memories with them. I love when they come home and I hear about their days. It's different between the kids I babysat and my own kids. And, and that's what God is saying. Listen, I'm not a hired hand. I'm not just a shepherd. I'm a good shepherd. 
So what does a good shepherd do for you and I? Why is it important that we have a good shepherd? Well, there's three things. The first one is the good shepherd provides direction. The good shepherd provides direction. He leads the sheep, he guides the sheep, he tells the sheep when to go, when to stop, when to eat. He actually has to tell the sheep when to stop eating. Sheep are known to eat and eat and graze and graze and if there's nothing left to eat, they actually then eat the things that come out of the other sheep because they don't know when to stop eating. And you and I, we can relate to this. You and I, we indulge in our flesh. Have you ever been to a Mexican restaurant? You know what I'm talking about. We get to the Mexican restaurant and I have to mentally prepare myself, okay, I'm only gonna have a couple chips. So I get to the Mexican restaurant, we sit down, the waitress or waiter, she brings the chips, she brings the salsa and something blurts out, we'll take queso and guac. <laughs> so we get the queso and guac, I'm eating the chips and I'm telling myself, okay, Whitney, only a couple. And I'm eating and I'm eating and I, I black out and I'm eating more. And then suddenly the waitress is like, do you want more chips? And I said, yes, and some salsa. And then I'm eating and I'm eating and finally the food comes and I'm thinking, how am I supposed to eat this? My top button is already undone because I'm uncomfortable, but then I have to eat the food. And I leave there thinking, okay, I am never gonna do this again. I'm miserable. Two weeks later, we go back to Blue Margarita and I said, we'll take the queso and the guac. So we know what I'm talking about. We indulge in our flesh. I love to cross-reference um, Luke 10 about the good shepherd to actually Psalm 23, what, what Justin read this morning. And King David actually wrote this Psalm. And King David, oddly enough, was used to be a shepherd boy. So, so King David knows all about this. He knows what it's like to be a shepherd boy. He knows the importance of the shepherd and, and what he has to do for the sheep. And King David says this, the Lord is my shepherd. So he was a shepherd, but he's saying, listen, the Lord is my shepherd. He says, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. I wish someone would tell me to lay down and take a nap. <laughs> but he's saying, listen, I lack nothing because of my good shepherd. An author, his name is Philip Keller, he says this. He said, sheep do not lie down easily unless there are four conditions that are met. Because sheep are timid, they will not lie down if they are afraid. Because sheep are social animals, they will not lie down if there is friction among the sheep. So if there's two sheep in a squabble, they will not lie down. If flies or parasites trouble them, they will not lie down. Finally, if sheep are anxious about food or if they're hungry, they will not lie down. So rest comes because the shepherd has dealt with their fear, their friction, the flies, and the famine. And Jesus is saying, listen, I got you, you can rest. Jesus is saying, listen, give me your burdens, give me your fears, give me everything. I need you to put all of that on me. You can lay down and rest easy because I'm the good shepherd. So the good shepherd, Jesus, he provides direction. He also provides correction. So what we've learned here this morning is we like to wander. 
We wandered. We are stubborn sometimes. Sometimes we are not the wisest. We drift with the world. We, we, we drift with the current. Sometimes we get so sucked in our jobs or our families, we forget to focus on the Father. I've given this description before, but I feel like it's, it's the best visual to, to figure this out. So we go to Gulf Shores every year as a family, and um, every morning we get up early and we go and put our chairs down on the sand where we want to be that day. And then we're, when we're ready to go to the beach, we, we go down and we we are at the beach and in the ocean all day long and we're swimming, we're walking to the sandbar, we're having fun, but then we look up to figure out where our stuff is and, and it's not there. Where we thought we put the chairs, they're not there. In fact, they're actually way down the beach and the problem is the chairs didn't move, we moved because we were in the water and the current just drifted us and took us and we didn't even feel it, we didn't even notice it, but we moved. And that's what happens, we can wander without us even realizing it. But the good thing is the good shepherd would, would, would put us back where we need to be, he would provide correction. Have you ever lost something? Ever lost a kid? You've lost a kid, oh my, we've all lost a kid or two. Now, a couple years ago, actually it was a few years ago, um, I remember we were up at Good Neighbor Days and our son Finn was probably only three or four at the time. And it was one of those things that was so crowded and we turn around and Finn's gone. And what we could have done is we could have said, well, we still have one more. We still have Reese. But no, we weren't gonna just say we have one more. We're gonna go find Finn. And you know as a parent, when you lose a kid, which you all know the feeling, um, your heart just stops, the world stops, everything around you stops, and what feels like hours is maybe only a few seconds or for a few minutes, and we finally found Finn. He was probably just you know a few steps away, but we found Finn. And what we could have done as well is we could have got so mad at him and yelled at him and, and took him out, but no. We hugged him and we embraced him and we were so happy that we found him. Now we did give him correction. We did tell him, listen, you can't wander off, buddy. You gotta stay by us. Something could have happened. But then we hug him and embrace him and celebrate that he was found. One of my favorite parables in the New Testament um, is when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. Jesus, oh, he loved those Pharisees. He always had something with them. But uh, the Pharisees were basically saying, listen, he's hanging out with sinners. He's hanging out with tax collectors. This isn't right. And Jesus steps up and he says, listen, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. He says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not repent. And I love this story and I picture this story and, and isn't this parable the heart of connect? Isn't this parable the heart of connect? That's who we are. We, we connect our community to Christ. We go out and find the lost sheep and bring them home and we love them. And sometimes 
Sometimes we get caught up in the day after day and the Sunday after Sunday entertaining the people that are already found when we need to go out and be looking for the lost. We're just like this. We need to be go out and looking for the one. And when they're found, we bring them home and we celebrate with them. Now, Jesus does the correction, but we celebrate that they're home. King David goes on to say this in verse four. He says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Sounds like David has gone through some stuff. Sounds like David is in a valley or has walked in some dark times and and he isn't there alone, God is with him. God isn't gonna let you wander and keep you there. He may let you wander, but he's with you and he's gonna bring you home. David mentions the rod and the staff. I'll get to the rod in a second, but there's the staff, we've all seen it. It's that long stick with the hook. And, and the staff is for when the sheep wander to kind of put it around their neck and, and gently bring them back. Maybe sometimes it's not so gently and maybe it hurts for a second. Maybe it causes pain for a second. But the whole point is to just bring them back on the right path, to bring them back to the good shepherd, even though it may hurt for a second. Now, there are those sheep that wander and wander and wander again and Jesus will go get them and get them. But after a while, he's like, no, this sheep keeps wandering. And actually it was said that shepherds back in the day for the sheep that wander and wander and wander, they would actually go and break their legs. And then once they break their legs, so the sheep don't wander again, the shepherd would pick the sheep up, put it around his shoulders and carry the sheep home. Now that may sound harsh, absolutely, but I know for me, I would rather have two broken legs than lose my soul. Jesus is just that good that he's like, listen, I don't wanna let you wander because I know where you need to be. The last thing is after Jesus, the good shepherd providing correction, direction, he provides protection. King David says this, and we sang about it this morning, you prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. I'm not just sitting at a table with my best buds, I'm at a table with my enemies. And he goes on to say, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the Lord forever. To me, this just says you can be in any situation, you can walk in any room, you can be with whoever, and you can go in and stand proud and with confidence knowing who your savior is, knowing that the good shepherd has your back and his love will follow you all the days of your life, regardless of who's at your table. And the rod, he has not only the staff, but he has the rod, and he uses the rod for protection. So if the wolf or the robber or the thief, whoever comes in, Jesus is like, not my sheep, not today. I've got my sheep. He's saying, listen, I own these sheep. I lay my life down for these sheep. In fact, I gave my life for these sheep. You're not messing with my flock. But in order to do this, in order to have the protection, the correction, the direction, we have to be able to to listen to the voice of God. How do we listen to the voice of God? 
In verse 27 in John 10, it says this, it says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. He's saying, listen, they, they know me and I know them. So I learned a lot about sheep this week. I've never thought I'd be studying sheep so much, but um, they actually know the voice of their shepherd. So if another shepherd were to come in, um, the sheep would say, that, I don't know that voice. That's, that's not my good shepherd. But if a, their good shepherd comes in, they know their voice. There could be shepherds all around the field yelling for the sheep, guiding the sheep, and the sheep will know exactly what voice to follow, exactly what voice to listen to because they know the voice. So we have to learn to know the voice of God because the world gives us a lot of voices. The voice of the news, the politics, the social media, just the world in general, people who don't have our best interests at heart. But what is the voice we listen to? How do we know what the voice sounds like? This is one of our questions yesterday. Um, we actually had a panel of amazing women up here um, with, just, with just such wisdom. And one of the, the, the um, questions was, how do, you, how do you listen to the voice? How do you know the voice? You hear Christians say all the time, well, you know, I felt God telling me. What does that mean? So we gotta be in the word. We gotta have that, that silent time. I forget what Pastor Chad called it last week, but um, are we spending time not just checking our Devo time saying, I, I read a verse, I, I read a scripture, I, I'm good for the day, but no, really giving it time sitting in the word, meditating on the word, sitting in silence so we can truly understand and know what the voice sounds like. Looking back, hindsight's twenty twenty. We know this. Looking back, we, we say, oh, we should have done this or we should have done that. It's so much clearer looking back. But I challenge you this morning to take time today or this week and look back. And what I mean by that is, have you seen the evidence of God giving you direction in your life? Have you seen the evidence of God correcting things in your life? Have you seen the evidence where God protected you? I, I, as I was writing this message, I did this and I thought, oh yeah, God was here and here and here and he protected me here, he protected me here, he, he put me in the right direction here because I was going down the wrong path. I challenge you to do that here this morning because we know the good shepherd is good and he wants to give us protection, correction, direction. So I wanna end here this morning so, um, I, I actually get to, well, I don't get to, I did. Um, I was telling Caitlin, I'm like, oh, can you sing this song and this song? Because I feel like it, I felt like it went so well with um, the message and um, reckless love was one that I'm like, oh, we have to sing this song because it, it talks about Jesus leaving the 99 for the one. And, and Corey Asbury, he actually wrote this song and um, in one of his YouTube videos, he talks about why this song was important to him, what it meant to him, uh, because sometimes the word reckless can, can give a different meaning. 
So he says this, this is Corey Asbury from The Reckless Love, and I'm gonna invite the band to come up and we're gonna just sing the bridge um, and the chorus because I really want us to hear these words and understand them. So Corey Asbury says this, he says, when he, when he uses the phrase reckless love of God, he isn't saying that God is reckless. He's not crazy. He is saying the way he loves in many regards is quite so. He's utterly, Jesus, he's utterly unconcerned of the consequences of his own actions in regards to his own safety, comfort, and well-being. His love isn't crafty, it's not slick, it's not cunning, or it's not shrewd. In fact, all things considered, it's quite childlike, and he even added it's actually downright ridiculous. His love bankrupted heaven for you and for me. His love doesn't consider himself first. His love isn't selfish. His love is not self-serving. He doesn't wonder what he will gain or what he will lose by putting himself on the line. He simply just puts himself out there on the off chance that you and I might look back and give him the same love in return. His love, his love leads the 99 to find the one every single time. And to many practical adults, it sounds like a foolish concept. What if he loses the 99 in the one? And what if he loses the 99 in finding the one? What if? Finding the one lost sheep is and always will be supremely important. His love isn't cautious. It's a love that sent his own son to die a gruesome death on a cross. There's no plan B with the love of God. He gives his love so completely, gives his love away again and again and again, time and time again. But lastly, he says this. He says, make no mistake, our sins do pain him 70 times seven, yet he opens up and allows us back in every single time. He's just that good. He's just that good. And that's why he calls himself the good shepherd, because he loves us and he knows us. He knows us by name and he will do anything for us. In fact, he will leave the 99 to go find the one. So as we close here this morning, I want us to sing that last song, just the bridge, and I want us to sink in of what that truly means and what that truly feels like as a follower of Christ here this morning and how lucky we are to have the good shepherd on our side.